everybody. Welcome back to Forbidden Cinema. I'm Zach. Hello, I'm Jenny. And we are here for episode 101. We fi- we did it. 100 episodes, we lover. Broke through. All right. So 101, we are going to go deeper on Jade. We are answering the questions that nobody has bothered to ask. <laughs> <laughs> Is that... I, maybe I should like TM that. I don't know. That, that, that's, there's not many stuff we've done that was like, oh, that was actually inspired. Like your general idea for the podcast. Pretty inspired, like me saying that, like pretty good. <laughs> Everything else, like, eh, just two people chatting, you know. Just chat. So how you doing, babe? It's October. We're I know we're back in already. real time. Wild, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We'll get uh, we'll get back ahead again. By at some the point. seat of our pants or skin of our teeth? I don't know. I don't know what's worse. I don't know the the, the seat of our teeth, the skin of our pants. <laughs> Ew, the skin of our pants. I don't like Ew, that at yuck. all. Ugh. Moving on. <laughs> so any lingering things you want to hit on about jade um i don't think so i think we i mean we we talked more than the length of the movie we talked more than the director's cut of the movie <laughs> <laughs> so i think we covered it but obviously we're here today to talk about things that we did not cover or things that you uncovered that are just so down the rabbit hole of which is your your talent. Questions we had and then tangents of those right. <laughs> that came up when answering those questions. That that's really what this is all about. This yeah, that's what this segment is. Questions and tangents. <laughs> <laughs> so I fi- I figured out who I was trying to say when I was saying Andy Garcia over and over again on who replaced uh, David Caruso in NYPD Blue after two seasons. Okay. It's Jimmy Smith's. Okay. So that, that's a human being. That's a person. You but, probably know vaguely who he I is. I know who Jimmy Smith is. Yeah. In fact, I was, it was kind of annoying or I don't know if annoying is right the word. They tried to do some sort of like another cop detective show set in Memphis. Like, and Jimmy Smith was like supposed to be the Memphis born detective. I was like. Isn't he Puerto Rican? Yeah. I was like, no. <laughs> Sorry. We lived in Memphis for a few years. Like, we got a little bit I, of. Uh, I think that it's like. When people think of Memphis, they don't think of Jimmy Schmitz. <laughs> so I'm a little all over the place because I'm going based on my notes as I was listening. I did not actually take the time to go and then reorganize my notes and then research. So, sorry. <laughs> I mean, yeah, just off the cuff. Next thing I wanted to go over was William Billy Friedkin. What all do you know about him? I mean, I think I said this, right? He just died recently. Yes, just um, um, August 7th. So... Really recently. In the last, like, two months. Yeah, so people have talked a lot about him. There's probably been a bunch of retrospectives, you know, other movie podcasts and things we've been talking about him. Um, I mean, I know... I mean, I know he wrote a bunch of stuff. Like, did he do Basic Instinct? Do I... Or no? No, uh, Joe Esterhaus, the screenwriter of this, also did Basic Instinct. Okay. No, uh, William Friedkin was the director. He was married from 91 until her death to Sherry Lansing, the head of Paramount Pictures. Oh, good for him. Uh, Just... A lot of people kind of, he was on a slump when this cat happened, and a lot of people thought it was kind of a uh, take-your-husband-to-work day. A little bit <laughs> yeah. of a, a, like, here you go, honey. Aww. And her and his career never fully recovered from, from the flop that this was. Mm. I mean, it's weird that this was a flop, like, to me, because it just seems like, you know, in this time period, all of these movies coming out, because there was just a thirst for this kind of, like, sexy-ish violence um, but it's like, great, another one. Great, another one. Like, were people that discerning 
that like this was a flop in comparison to, you know, Basic Instinct and things like that? I'm actually curious. We have uh, We Kill for Love is in the mail. Oh, awesome. Good. So uh, I'm, I'm, we've been waiting and waiting and waiting. We've been following, uh, you know, another channel out there has been covering the history of the erotic thriller and the straight to video era. And I bet that this 95 is kind of pushing the end of that. could that. be. This is probably, there's probably a lot of Shannon Tweed movies on Cinemax at after 9 p.m. And Right, right. This is just barely holding on. Everybody's like a little over it. Okay, Plus, that, that could make sense. We'll get into it soon, but this is also released a few weeks after Showgirls. Hmm. And so, you know, it's Esther Haas's kind of one-two punch of crap. And... <laughs> yeah. I mean, Showgirls, Man, like Showgirls, he can say all he wants to say about it being camp. I would say the first two thirds maybe camp. The last third is like just brutal violence. I could really get behind like just like, let's just look at the look at the lights and the stage and the whatever. And it's just it's a feast for the senses. And but yeah, the sexual violence at the end is really... It's, it really is out of nowhere. I mean, there's a lot of violence towards women. And, and I mean that, like, not in, like, you know, you know, your standard violence against women. But in an industry like that, people are going to think that they are do some things and there's some violence that goes along with it. That's part of the story that we're telling. And I don't think Esther Haas is smart enough to equate one with the other. For like, you know, grabbing an ass versus like a violent, brutal gang rape of someone who has not been a part of this at all. Like someone who, yeah, like the the only possibly redeeming character in this whole movie and, and she gets it worse she's of all. just brutalized and there's really no i mean i guess there's some comeuppance of like you know know me i mean the, really to me this is just a prequel know me the birth of a serial killer is what i think and um tm 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 that's my new script uh, see, so. I, I think it's just the interlude I, I think it's what scares her straight and gets her back to bayside i don't think to so. be the guidance counselor <laughs> <laughs> But probably best known, he got his uh, Oscar for French Connection. That's big stuff. One of the, you know, the best, in my opinion, car chase of all time. Fun Gene Hackman. I love Gene Detective Hackman. story. I, it's, it's not fun, but you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thrilling. Uh, to Live and Die in L.A. He directed both the movie and the Wang Chung video to go along with the all movie. Right. Wang Chung is one of those bands that I have picked up late. All I knew was everybody Wang Chung tonight or have fun tonight or whatever the song's called. I didn't. Yeah. I was not familiar with their deeper catalog, and I've thoroughly enjoyed. I everything like their I've deeper heard. catalog. I think that everybody have fun tonight, Wang Chung tonight, which I think is the actual title. It's like both have pieces. fun tonight, maybe. Um, I think in like parentheses, Wang Chung tonight. Okay. Um, but it's uneven. I, I don't I don't think that it it's chorus and it's verse go together well. Oh, that really turns you off to a song, doesn't it? It does. Very <laughs> much so. But he uh, directed The Exorcist. Oh, okay. Oh, I knew I, I knew that. Maybe his last great commercially successful critically acclaimed movie. And a lot of people have suggested that he might have an exorcist curse on his career. Oh, okay. That would make sense. I have seen The Exorcist once. And I didn't think it was scary at all. I don't know. Maybe I don't. I didn't grow up with Catholic guilt. Maybe I grew up with better special effects. We should give it another try sometime. I guess. It just seems gross. Like, that's, like, ultimately what I'm just like, ugh. 
Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, icky. we watch. I mean, we yes, we watch a lot of these movies now. Like we ha- we have designated time, but most of the time we're watching things just to watch them. We're eating. We're like, and it's like <laughs> that really knocks a lot of things out. Oh, you're like, are we gonna watch this while we're eating? Uh, I mean, we did watch. <laughs> we did watch. Uh, what is that show called? Uh, oh, naked. Naked attraction. attraction. Yeah, that was a little bit on the line of like just. Full-on naked people, full-on frontal nudity while we're eating dinner. It's like, hmm. What did I say? Like, we have a podcast basically about a show about dicks. And right. That might be the most if dicks I've ever watched, seen. If you haven't watched Minx Season 1 and Season 2 on Stars. Let's get Season 3 out. <laughs> but yeah, that might be the most dicks I've ever seen while eating dinner. It probably is. Yeah. I mean, good for them. Like, well done. Like, you be brave. Be bold. Be And un- it really was not. Unapologetic. It was not salacious at all. It was so it was made informative. Nor yeah, there's lots of little drawings. On, this is why <laughs> we might evolutionarily be drawn to this. Whatever. Yeah, it, it was really like you know let's, we'll normalize this. Like this is part of attraction, and we'll just take this out of the equation and see if you're attracted to this person on its very very basis level, and then see what happens from there. Like <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry like oh he's got a really great personality. I really like him, but <laughs> or you don't have to worry about like I got a weird mole. Like what happens when I take my pants <laughs> off? Yeah. I mean you're like I've never seen a vagina like that before. <laughs> it was. <laughs> It was a weird, it was like, wow, it's all out there. I mean, you were scandalized by one lady whose areolas were like the same color as the rest of her body. I, I'd never seen that either. I mean, she was a little like, damn, y'all. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so back to uh, William Friedkin. <laughs> Friedkin would approve, I'm sure. Yeah, but I mean, other movies of note, that he, uh, this was about the end of his mainstream career. He would come back and do Rules of Engagement. That that's familiar. Jude Law, World War One sniper duel. I think maybe him and Ed Harris. Harris Ed Harris. I had yeah. to work the day everybody from college went to saw see that, and so I don't really it's like. It's about snipers and like there was a butt really big on screen. That was about the extent oh. of what I got told about it. Got it. Yeah, I think you're right, Ed Harris. Uh, the Hunted. He did Bug, which I think that's um, Ashley Judd, and it's like there's they think that there's bugs like living under their skin and in their apartment and it's haunted or whatever i think it's just really actually a thriller a spoiler alert about mental illness that's a romp yeah it's like some real david cronenberg level stuff i have not seen it but i've just internet spoilers or whatever so i could be completely wrong and he directed killer joe actually maybe his was a critically acclaimed if not a commercial I can't remember what that is. It's got Matthew McConaughey. It's about a guy who's hiring a uh, killer to kill somebody for some inheritance or got loan, it. loan sharks and whatnot. It's based on a play that actually I think premiered in uh, maybe St. Louis or something. So not that far from here, but not your standard kind of Broadway. Not your standard debut. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay. And that's about, that's his career. Uh, you know, I said did win an Oscar and uh, won a Lifetime Achievement Saturn Award in 2013, which you guys know the Saturns are my Oscars. All right. So moving on, the Hotel Bar. You were really enamored with it. Yes. Okay. It is in the Fairmont, San Francisco. Fairmont. Fairmont. Okay. Yes. Um, it is. Kind of a lot going on there right now. It also, uh, Vertigo, The Towering Inferno, and some scenes in The Rock were filmed there. Okay. I'm trying to think in Vertigo. I mean, maybe that's what I was, like, pulling from. But I can't think of, like, what the actual scene may be. It's uh, Tony Bennett 
first sang I Left My Heart in San Francisco. Aw, that's there. cool. Um, the hotel had the first concierge in the United States. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, a, a, you know, professionally trained European concierge. And I'm sure there's probably less requirements to be called a concierge now. Probably. But I think they all take their that job pretty seriously. Um, but definitely if it was, it was a, a European concierge, he probably like really, yeah, it was hoity-toity. Mm-hmm. The hotel has changed hands a few times here in the last little bit, and there's some concerns by historical buffs or whatever that it may be turned into condos. And the, uh, the kind of the most threatened is the 1945 Tonga Room. It's a tiki bar that oh. has been updated twice, but has been pretty much unchecked since 1965. It's got oh, that's a, cool. The DJ is kind of in the middle of the water, and all around it is the tiki bar. I think Anthony Bourdain said it's the greatest place in the history of everything. <laughs> so. Whoa, that's, that's big talk when we need to get there. Yeah, I think it's considered outside of like Frankie's Tiki Room in Las Vegas, one of the best tiki bars on the planet. So what you're saying is we are embarking on a tiki tour. <laughs> I mean, we're already looking at going out to L.A. What's L.A. to a San Francisco flight? That might be... A flight's probably not too bad. Yeah, that might not be... Too, I'm, not, I'm not driving it. Are you kidding? No. I mean, I would love to drive the Pacific Coast Highway for 10 minutes and be like, boy, <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of driving the Pacific Coast Highway. <laughs> like, yay. Done. <laughs> I guess we'll just let Elon drive and we'll watch Harry Potter or something. <laughs> Um, the detective lady, you want to talk about her? Yes, I recognize her. I know she's somebody's mom, somebody's aunt, something. This is the feature, her feature film debut. Okay. Um, her name is Donna Murphy. Her next movie was Star Trek Insurrection. I don't think she explicitly got it on with Captain Picard, but it might have been implied. Okay. So, <laughs> oh, you get All it, girl. All right, get it. <laughs> she was in Center Stage. She was Spider-Man 2. She was Dr. Octopus's wife. Okay. Uh, she's in the Nanny Diaries. She's the mom in Tangled, which I've not seen, but I think you like have the, sisters who are really into it. Yeah. Okay. The mom? Yeah. Like they locked her up in a tower? And I don't think she's really a mom, actually. A mom? I don't think so, but I okay. She, so maybe she's somebody's mom. Okay. I don't know. And in The Bourne Legacy, that might be what you recognize probably, her from. That's probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. a pretty pretty big character in, in that film. Yes, 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 yes. She has two Tony Awards, 94 for The King and I. Oh, wow. Yeah, and a 96 for Passion. I mean, is she Anna? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay, that's that's a that's a big role, big Oh, yeah, she role. comes from, she's a star of stage who was in some movies. Okay, Petey. <laughs> big, there was big arms. There was a big arm gesture here. I mean... He was a San Francisco cop for 29 years at this time. Of course We were just he saying, was. like, where does he come from? I've never seen him in another movie. Is he a cop for real? 100% he is a cop for real. You need to check out the occasional critic for maybe the only interview I can ever find with him. And, uh, yeah, he was uh, – he had just made an arrest in a hacking case and was trying to get a hold of the DA. And the DA said he was with some people and kind of like, well, I'm with the suspect. You need to get your ass over here. <laughs> It's like finally comes over and he's got Billy Friedkin and David Caruso. He's like, I didn't know who the hell Billy was. And Caruso had a hat on, so I couldn't really see his hair. So. Oh, so he was like consulting. The DA was consulting yes. with them. And he, oh, oh, wow. Okay, so they just happened upon him in real life. Yes. He's like, I didn't really know who they were. It's like, so it's kind of yelling at the DA a little Love bit. Love it. Love every second of this. And it was just like, 
you need to come be in our movie. He's like, okay, cool. Like right after I got, I got uh, high tea with the queen. <laughs> we're like pinkies out and he's like sure fellas <laughs> but the contract showed up he had eight weeks of vacation saved up and was able to take it and film jade that is the best thing that's ever happened he said he's not really familiar with the uh with the filmography of, of friedkin but he had seen the french connection that of course seeing, he's seen the french connection <laughs> exactly you know seeing the uh on the steakhouse or steakout with you got the cold cup of coffee in your hand and you're watching somebody eat a fancy meal <laughs> he's, like, he's like i've been there <laughs> he's and like the first connection i lived it <laughs> <laughs> i guess he said like he almost was never in his trailer because he was just walking around the film set just talking to grips talking to riggers talking to like hey what you doing over there <laughs> does that not just enamor oh, you to him oh my gosh like everyone loved and hated this guy yeah. <laughs> like he's kind of in my way but he's just adorable <laughs> He said that uh, Dirty Harry, what's his name? Uh, that Clint guy <laughs> called him <laughs> up. Like he had a lady partner in one of the Dirty Harry movies, and he knew that that Ken, the actor, had a lady partner and wanted to like have lunch with him and talk about what the dynamic was like. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he uh, retired so- soon after this uh, to a ranch in Montana, kind of his dream life, and uh, passed away in 2005. He was in this and like one other movie just briefly. <laughs> I love it. That what a life. <laughs> Did he write a book? He should he didn't, have he, no. um, he should I, have written a book. I, I think this one interview is pretty much everything that survives that I could find. Oh my and gosh. So yeah, it is a great interview. I'm I'm only giving you like half of the witty one liners. <laughs> TM TM, are we writing this book? <laughs> We're writing the biography of this guy. <laughs> Uh, he worked the Zodiac case and the Charles N case. Oh my gosh! He got out of homicide after it. He was he was like I'm just in major crimes now. Like now, if you get shot and die, you go over to the other department. But if you get shot and live, <laughs> I get your case. That seems fair. I mean, if you're like, uh, this is not as much fun. Yeah. Um, you wanted to talk about what Linda Fiorentino's job was. Right. She was a clinical psychologist. Okay. So I guess she would be like a therapist. I suppose. She's not a psychiatrist, and so I have really no idea what her... But uh, available for... Like why she's doing motivational speeches. Motivational <laughs> slash, like, workplace learning events. For I have no idea what... Did we ever figure out what company it was? No. Or what they I did, mean, or why it may they have, It need... probably had a logo in the, the lobby or something. Like, the, the lobby that seemed like it was made for, like, uh, Magneto. <laughs> All right. I'm going to wait till you finish this drink before I start my next section. Because I don't want you to spit anything. Okay. All right. So I was enamored by the whole concept of how much volume is a thimble full of semen. Oh, gross. Okay. <laughs> if you Google thimble full of semen, there's exactly one result. That's bizarre, actually. Isn't it? Yeah. And it's somebody asking about thoroughbred racehorses. And like, what would a thimble full of semen from somebody who just won the Kentucky Derby be How much worth? it would cost? And some people did the math. Okay. That a thimble wouldn't really be enough because it takes about 50 ml of uh, semen to impregnate the racehorse. So, and 50 ml goes for about 60 to 100K, depending on the the animal. But that a thoroughbred racehorse cannot be artificially inseminated. You have to have live cover. And I do wish I did not know that word. Hmm. Okay. I mean, why? Is that a rule? Yeah, I guess so. I don't know if you have to, you have to like send a video or something. I don't know how you prove it, but 
I mean, why? Why? I wonder why that is, though. Because it's not thoroughbred if it's inseminated. I guess. I guess. I mean, that, that seems like real. I think horse racing is so rich, white, and icky to begin with. Yeah. Well, I think honestly, sorry for you guys out there with purebred animals. I think all of that's icky. Mm-hmm. But do you remember David Caruso's character name in this? David Corelli. David Corelli. Yes. Do you remember Wayne Knight's character name in Basic Instinct? No. John Corelli. Really? Yes. Both said in San Francisco. Oh. These characters are related. This is a trilogy. And also Sliver, which we haven't seen yet, apparently has a Corelli in it as well. Is that like a known thing? Yes. That they are connected? Ab- yeah, absolutely. This is a trilogy of, of three brothers and their paths. Wow. Two end up at the DA and I guess one ends up a detective in San Francisco. I want that story too. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like where's the part four? Like where's the the We need a sister. We need a sassy crap. like There's a niece movie or... with Night Shyamalan that connects a bunch of other movies. Oh wait, like you actually Unbreakable and Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it called Glass maybe? Glass and yeah. Um... It's like split and unbreakable. Yes. Maybe it's glass. Could be glass. Too. I haven't seen any any of the three of those. I've, I've seen Unbreakable. I've, I've heard it was pretty good. Yeah, it's good. It's been a long time since I've seen it. All right, but yeah, so we have, we have part three of a trilogy, folks. I'm in love with this. <laughs> I mean, that may, that definitely moves Sliver a little up the list. It kind of does. It kind of feels like we we need to like while well, it's fresh. I mean, I don't know. I guess it's been a while since we got Basic Instinct, but maybe maybe we can do a little bit of. I mean, that was episode one. Maybe we could we could have a little like trio episode talk okay, about okay okay and then talk of... about all three. <laughs> so what if I were to tell you this was not David Caruso's first film with Richard Crenna? I wouldn't not believe that. The... I mean, they seem like they would end up in. The... They didn't really. I mean, well, they did act off each other a little bit. It was more honestly like Richard Crenna like acting at David Caruso, <laughs> but. <laughs> Well, I need to show you a picture. Sorry, I do not have one pulled up. But David Caruso is the young hotshot deputy in First Blood, the first Rambo really? movie. Okay. Like, I had seen that movie many times as a, as a child, which maybe not the best <laughs> movie to see as a child. <laughs> I love that, that it's like violence was fine for you and like it was the sex. Like, you know, the sex had to be gone, but the violence was like, and ours was, I don't know, I guess ours was all of it, but... I mean, we need to watch RoboCop at some times because I don't think I've ever seen that unedited. Oh, man. But I know that, like, That's all so... the violence was left in, but my dad bleeped out all the swear words. <laughs> you know, you got to choose your battles. Like, went with, like, two VCRs and did it himself. Like, that's, I like, so, so he could show me RoboCop because my mom wouldn't let me. <laughs> that... <laughs> Write a passage. Exactly. <laughs> but, of course, he was in NYPD Blue, probably his most famous role uh, until recently and then kiss of death and jade were the same year and both were huge critical and commercial flops mm, that's a bummer because i mean like four months apart or something <laughs> like kiss of death showgirls and jade are all within a few months of each other and just all bombed it kind of maybe the death of the erotic thriller as a major could be I and mean, yeah it seems like everybody was just not in the mood and uh, then, yeah, CSI Miami was probably his next role of note. And he's retired after he left that show. Well, he was on that show for forever. Like 12 years or something. A ton of time. Yeah. I mean, good for him. Just going out while you're on top. Yeah. 
we have I did find a like cut by cut like here's what's in the original here's what's in the director's cut here's what's in the original here's what's in the director's cut okay of the director's cut version of this movie uh billy friedkin swears by it as being the superior version and he also swears by this being his favorite movie and he thinks it's the best film he's ever done of course (laughs) you're you're not gonna say honestly like i totally respect him for saying that because i think it's really crappy when people shit on their own work he's just like he's like we had a bang up script we had a, a great cast we had a great location it was great energy like like i still think it's great i don't know what anybody doesn't see about it it's like it wasn't us <laughs> but uh, yeah it's like 12 minutes longer there is a slightly longer sex scene between the guy we never know who it is and linda fiorentino and i think it's more obvious what she's doing with her heel that seems dangerous. Hmm. That's the only thing that I think about when you said that. You um, have, none of your heels have their taps left on them. So that's not true. There's, there's serious damage happening. That's not true because I don't wear them if they don't have a tap. Like, I go insane if I hear a clip clop. Like, I feel, I, I judge you. That is one of my, like, major, major things. And I'm a terrible person for it. But if I hear a clip clop because someone's missing a tap, I'm like, y'all, I, I, I don't think I... I don't think I don't think kindly of it. I don't think that you're <laughs> you're really thinking important things about your looks. <laughs> and then basically twelve minutes of mostly irrelevant plot. I think the only thing is the alternate ending where David Caruso is planted a bug and is listening to Chaz Palminteri uh, confess at the end. Oh, okay. But that wouldn't be admissible. Ah, uh, it wouldn't be admissible. And you know what? I don't think it's as fun. I think it's fun. It's better to leave it like that. Uh, they just left it like, what? Okay, like roll credits. Like, I need a little more denouement than that. I mean. Well, maybe so, but I don't think that, we, I don't think we want a gotcha. Maybe not. I don't think this is a movie for a gotcha. Maybe not, but just something more than that. I, I don't know. I think that uh, Esther Haas thought he was so clever with that, like, introduce me to Jade sometime. And Probably was. I mean, I don't like that because of they have a terrible sex life and. She obviously ha- is jade with other people because her sex life with him is so bad. And if she thought that that was going to be a way for their sex life to be better, she would have already done it. Mm. I'm pretty sure. She's not. This is. That was the. That. Him saying that is like the first in three conversations of them no longer being together. Mm. And maybe, honestly, of there being a plot to for hire to kill her because she knows too much. Ah, okay, okay. That's my that's like, my like, thought on this. The movie that starts with this is more interesting than the movie we got. Really good car Could chase. Could possibly be. Really good car the, chase. A, a couple really good car and chases. And Petey is... Petey is chef's kiss. I mean, he could, he could keep he could keep running after whoever. He still is. He still <laughs> in your, is in your right head, now. In your heart and head, he's still just yes. hoofing it up he is one floor st- stairs behind everybody else. Still Angie Everhart. <laughs> Speaking of Angie Everhart, she actually used a body double for the table scene, and she's kind of gone back in later years and said, honestly, I thought I was a little bit hotter, and if you search my name on the internet, the first thing that comes up is that picture, and it says it's me. It's like, I should have just done it myself. What? I'm trying to remember. Like, on the morgue. Oh. Oh, her nude on the the morgue table. Oh. Okay. Hmm. I mean, I think anybody that's thinking that's very sexy is a little. I <laughs> question. Um. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Apparently, that's like the first thing. That if you Google her, that's that's result number one. That's unfortunate. I'm sorry for you. 
and she never hosted the House of Style. I was completely wrong. Oh, wow. It went from uh, Cindy Crawford to Rebecca Romaine. And Pat Smear from the Foo Fighters was an interim host in the meantime, so I was completely right about all of that. I don't know how I... My head, it's been Angie Everhart. I mean, all Angie these Everhart years. and Rebecca Romaine don't have some common vibes. I guess. They do. Yeah. Well, I guess at that time, they were very, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, obviously, Rebecca Romaine had a much more storied career later on. Yes. But at that time, I think probably just, I mean, both model, probably both models at the time in mm-hmm. some sort of way. But and also, I saw Dave Navarro hosted one episode as well. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Because didn't eventually um, Carmen Electra? I don't know if she ever hosted it. Really? I, I thought know. she did. The Ristorante. Yes. Uh, that is still open to this day. It's 136 years, that's, almost 137 years old. That's cool. It is the uh, Fiora d'Italia. It is right between Chinatown and the marina. So, like, the geography is right. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah, it's been under some pretty extensive renovations. It's got a real beautiful facade now. It, this That sign is gone. Oh, that's a bummer. But, uh, but yeah, still open to this day and looks friggin' delicious. So next time we get to San right. Francisco, we're we're definitely checking it out after having a having a drink at the Tiki Bar. Have a drink at the Tiki Bar, eating at the Restaurante, and standing out in front of the Full House house. <laughs> <laughs> Full day. There we go. <laughs> uh, you talked briefly about the music from this movie. Mm-hmm. It is by James Horner. He's probably best known for Braveheart, Apollo 13, Jumanji. Yeah, I know the name, yeah. This, he's phoning it in in this one. Like 80% of this score was just reused stuff from Red Heat and Thunderheart. Are you you familiar with Red Heat? I don't know. I don't think it was on our list, but it is now. (laughs) Okay. Uh, It's Arnold Schwarzenegger and James Belushi. Arnold Schwarzenegger is a uh, Kremlin CIA or whatever, KGB operative, Russian, and, you know, Obviously, Belushi is just a streetwise, fast-talking, wise-cracking Chicago cop, and they have to, you know, fight the smuggling ring or whatever from the Soviet Union. I don't know. Just, I mean, after watching True Lies, you just feel like James Belushi is going to be a poor man's Tom Arnold. Uh, <laughs> a poor man's Tom Arnold. <laughs> Those words. <laughs> Really bringing it in that movie. (laughs) Firing at all cylinders. I just, I think my main memory of that movie is kind of opens with a Russian bathhouse fight scene. And I just remember it being like TBS or whatever. And all boobs are completely blurred out. But there is so much Arnold butt on display. (laughs) (laughs) Like, let's leave it in. The kids are fine. You know? I mean, yeah, like we, we've already seen the, when does this come out? They've already seen the Terminator. I've already seen his butt. Right. It's 1988. You know. Yeah. <laughs> everybody, everybody, come on. Old, old news. <laughs> and uh, Thunderheart, a movie that I've never even heard of. It's Val Kilmer as a half Sioux. I have seen this movie. Okay. You are locking a memory. Uh-oh. I have uh-oh. seen this movie. I have, other than unlocking the memory that I have seen this movie, I don't really remember There's anything else. a murder on a reservation and difficult with the politics of this was investigating. A fa- this was a family night movie. So a family night movie? I did not see it on my own. I watched it with my family. Yes. <laughs> 100%. So we will have... <laughs> Sorry. I might have to add Thunderheart to the... We will have to watch this to see what in the world was happening. But I... That's been a movie that's like floated around in my brain that it's like, I think maybe this movie existed. Maybe I made it up. I don't know. Yeah, I've seen that movie. 
So I had to go back and look because I knew I wasn't right with uncontrollable urge for the Rob Zombie music. I did like the uncontrollable oh, right, right, urge. Right. The, yeah, the phrase that I cannot remember that they say a million times in this movie. Yes. Uncontrollable urge and... I actually wrote it down. Something blindness. They are no longer able to control their urges. They disassociate themselves from their own actions and are experiencing a hysterical... Or she says an hysterical blindness, which I can't stand. <laughs> like an historical or an hysterical. Oh, right. Because if you're pronouncing the H, then you don't say an. Exactly. Exactly. Like, an hysterical blindness. Governor. <laughs> <laughs> In Hartford, Harrington, Harrington's hardly ever happened. Hardly ever happened. <laughs> you got no bleed knot. <laughs> there, Ellen! <boy>. Ellen! <laughs> uh, we were at a winery with a 13-year-old trying to uh, give her recommendations for a for cognitions and we have nothing appropriate <laughs> my friendly we did say my friendly i was like already seen that all right, all right cool that's it that's all that's i got it. just everything with jason statham just like go watch crank and <laughs> yeah exactly exactly she should go watch crank <laughs> but the rob zombie album is actually called the sinister urge oh okay sorry yeah. but i did just pop open i mean when was the last time you actually looked at your itunes music library um actually just the other day okay well because i i just had I don't know I saw something on Instagram I was like oh I have that song I will listen to that song uh, but like it just popped up like the last three things that we had bought and it was what a Sia song and something and what was it the for strippers only album yes <laughs> I was like ooh hey and then I had to remember that was from when you were teaching burlesque classes yes it's just it's a lot of uh yeah yeah, like just a lot That's of just va va voom stuff. Yes, very va 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 voom. But still, just seeing that I was like, ooh, Jenny bought it for strippers only album. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's like a 1960s, you know, when strippers were, you know, it was a different vibe. Like it was, yeah, I don't think it's I'm a cool new that. album. That's fine. Okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll come for that. Okay. <laughs> you were talking about the bad guy in the abyss. Yes, 100. percent It was Michael Bean. Okay, with his Michael Beaniest mustache, mustachioed, mustachioed. He was just barely Ned. They had to have seen this for Ned Flanders and like draw like he's such an analog for Ned Flanders. How did they not get? I mean, he and Bill Paxton must have been fighting tooth and nail. Like, what did they have to do? <laughs> they just <laughs> kept running into each other in auditions. They're like, Fuck. <laughs> but like for True Lies, James Cameron was like, all right, like each one of you has to be my servant for a day. Or like, what was the? What did Paxton have to do <laughs> to get that role? There must have been so or like bare knuckle boxing or I don't know, like high stakes game of connect four. Like what was it? Well, but Michael Bean is not funny. Like that's the difference. Like he's not, I can't think of a role where he is playing like, so like a schlub. Michael Bean is too, whatever to play a schlub. Okay. Paxton like recognizes, like I can be beneath myself and make this funny and make a really everlasting role by doing this. Bean would never do that. He's too proud. Okay. So he wasn't even, he was just like, no, like this is written in with you in mind. Cause of your mustache is like, no, nah, let Paxton do it. He's <laughs> like, what? He's a used car salesman. Who's like, can't get women. Ugh, sorry. Pass. Like maybe Paxton is done with weird science and he can do it for you. He's like, hi, ho. I got to go. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> oh. So box office and business. Yeah, this and Kiss of the Dragon, two 
David Crusoe starring films within four months of each other, $50 million movies, neither one cracked $10 million. Oh, man. That had to suck because, I mean, it's not totally his fault. He he's didn't... not terrible in no, this. No, he's not, not terrible seen... in this Have you seen at Kiss all. of the Dragon? Mm, not Kiss of the it... Dragon. Um, what did you just say? Kiss, Kiss of Death. Death. Kiss of Death. Um, Kiss of the Dragon was Jet Li. It was pretty good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's not a terrible movie. It's fine. It's fine for, you know, it, it totally fits in that whole realm. It's not his fault, probably, of when it got released, of what the the marketing was, the fact that those those both of those two movies came out four months apart, which probably just, like, made him stink to high heaven and just, right. like, you know, blacklisted him, probably. And right. that, that's not his fault. He didn't have any control of any of those things. But I think Kiss of Death is one of the first unhinged Nicolas Cage performances. Oh. Like he's the bad guy in it, and David Caruso gets out of jail and goes undercover to go infiltrate his organization. The world may not have been ready for un uncaged cage uh, maybe not maybe not like his hideout was in a strip club so like just of course it was it's a 90s action movie <laughs> like, he's know. like a bond villain <laughs> i have why no- is there not a bond villain that hangs out in a strip club that seems totally seems much more like much more useful much more entertaining than hanging out in a uh, volcano yeah yeah i mean well volcano you start is that a bond villain or a batman villain like you just it's need so many henchmen to hollow out the volcano so many henchmen in stupid hats to hollow oh out my the volcano gosh, like the wardrobing is how much that batman villains you know bond villains and they're kind of like well, you need a black suit you know it's on you to get your own we're not gonna pay for it batman villains though they're like everyone is wearing exactly the same uniform like we're all gonna go together we're all gonna get fitted it's gonna be a great time um yes like we need seth green to just like set up shop with three guys that know how to shoot guns at a strip club and bond is screwed like, <laughs> like, like first of all bond walking into a strip club is gonna be like a cartoon fox <laughs> ooga, ooga. bond can't handle it he's no chill but so, yeah, it's a movie, huge box office flop, but it's still the 1854th highest R-rated box office of all time. Out of how many movies? About 8,000 or so R-rated movies ever been made. Okay. Yeah, that's... Or in wide release. It is just above Immortal Beloved, a movie about uh, Beethoven. Yeah, I I know. With Gary Oldman, I think, is Beethoven. I've never seen it. But I know what you're talking about. I yeah. saw it one time, and I don't think I was get. I think I was thinking I was getting something steamier than I was getting. Uh, and I think also with Immortal, I think I might have been thinking I was getting some vampire stuff and not Beethoven stuff. That makes sense. And it is just below Brazil, Very Bad Things, and The Big Dollhouse. Okay. I feel like Very Bad Things is one of those movies that just sticks in my head so much that it's just been lost to time. I mean, so has the... The Kiss of the Death, too. Like, I just remember that vividly. The trailer of of Nicolas Cage bench-pressing a stripper. <laughs> oh, my gosh. In 90- and Nicolas Cage with his goatee. In 95. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't no. know that we would have wanted that in 95. No. Because in 95, we wanted, I mean, we. I actually think it was probably 94. But, no, maybe 95. We wanted Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. That's mm. what we wanted. When I tell you about the movies that came out around this, it's going to – if it doesn't blow your mind, it blew mine. Like things that I was into and things that were not – and things that were forbidden and like how much of it was around it right the same time. Is this right about the time though that movies started to shift from like really being for adults and it changing to the people, movie makers really going for like the, the kind of younger crowd? I didn't make that assessment based on, but we can, we can when we okay. get there. 
I mean, the big dollhouse. That's on one of those encore channels all the time. Now. I don't know what that is at it's all. It's a like a Filipino women in prison movie with oh. Pam Greer. Oh, okay. I think we've seen a little bit of one of those. Well, like that's <laughs> yeah. those movies made in the seventies made ten million at the box office reliably. And then this movie that made $50 million and cost weeks and weeks and weeks of time and all these big actors and whatever. And you could just fly some ladies out to the Philippines and spend $300,000 filming a couple of shower scenes. And the guy from Devil's Rejects, wisecracking and make $10 million. (laughs) Roger Corman, I think he said once, I've made like 350 movies and not a one of them's lost a dime. There's something to that. That's business. (laughs) Why didn't he run for president? That's business, baby. (laughs) That's the pictures. (laughs) So reviews and awards. This movie holds a 16% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Uh, 28% audience scores. We've got audiences do not love this movie. The critical consensus is an erotic thriller that is neither erotic nor thrilling. (laughs) (laughs) Discuss. (laughs) Like one of several low points for the aggressively sexual mid-90s cinema. Okay. Yeah, I think it was coming to a screeching halt. That's the thing. I don't think it petered out. I think the erotic thriller probably just came to a screeching halt. I I think you're exactly right. I think it was the movie for grown-ups to do on a Friday, Saturday night, and then... Yeah, I think there, that was available on cable TV after nine, and people just started going to see other fare. I think that's probably true. Um, Gene Siskel put this on the top of his worst movies of the year list. Roger Ebert gave a passionate defense, saying it's nowhere near one of the w- ten worst movies of the year. <laughs> it still stinks. <laughs> it's like you can't even give it that much credit. <laughs> Uh, the best positive review, I could say, that says it's uh, better than its reputation suggests. <laughs> that, that's savage. <laughs> the best negative review I found said, as hopeless as showgirls as the showgirls fiasco, only this time it takes some good actors down with it. Oh, damn. <laughs> what about Kyle McLaughlin? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think if we put Chaz Palminteri and Kyle McLaughlin in a room together and say, like, who can act the best? Chaz is going to win most days. I'm not sure. I think I've seen more range out of Kyle McLaughlin. Okay. I don't know. I've, I've been listening to a lot of stuff about Twin Peaks. Maybe we should give that a try at some point. Yeah. I I feel like I've never really known what Twin Peaks is about. I've known it's like out there and I never know if it's like, is it supernatural? Is it a mystery? I, I never really. I, I think sort of. Okay. I think it's just sort of the Pacific Northwest. Like it's, oh. a, it's a murder mystery dead girl. Okay. Yeah. And I think like it's just an eccentric cast of characters and I. I don't think it's technically supernatural, but I don't think it's not supernatural. It's just so like, it's like a murder mystery Portlandia, sort of, okay. yes, with like a creepy Wes Anderson thrown in, maybe, and some and David Lynch, you know. Okay, and Laura Palmer. I know Laura Palmer is the person, but that's all I know, really. <laughs> this was nominated for most of the Razzies this year, but it lost everything to well, Showgirls. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. All right, so by the numbers. <laughs> so this movie came out in September, October, October 13th, on Friday the 13th. Aha. So Was it Friday the 13th have, then? We have a Friday the 13th coming up this month as well. Yes, we do. But uh, August 4th, so about two months before, Babe and Virtuosity. Weird. I mean, I saw Babe in the theater. I mean, Babe directed by George Miller, like director of Mad Max, Fury Road. <laughs> 
Oh, really? I oh, don't yeah. think I knew that. Oh, yeah, that's like his big movies are Mad Max and Babe franchise. That's hilarious. No, I don't think oh, yeah, I didn't know that. that. No, yeah, no. That's 100%. <laughs> like, he did Beyond Thunderdome, took a few years off, and did Babe. That seems like a big and palate cleanser. Did Babe movies and then, like, came back with Mad Max again. He was like, that sounds like he was medicated for a while. <laughs> the next week on the 11th, Dangerous Minds came out. Oh, That wow. is on my list. I mean, that was... That was 1,000% forbidden. Yes, 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 yes. I mean, the, the music video was scared me. I'm not ashamed to admit. I Probably halfway because I'm white. I, you know, I, I've been exp- exploring that and, and how I was raised. And, you know, there were things that, quote, unquote, weren't for us. And that was one of them. And I'm kind of working through that. Uh, we have the next week on the 18th, Mortal Kombat. Mortal but just to think of Mortal Kombat and Dangerous Minds being in the theater at the same time, where I, I was so wanting to go see Mortal Kombat, video games, and like that other thing that was so scary and forbidden, right, right next to each yeah, other. Yeah, that's crazy. Along with Babe, with like, oh, Babe is for children. Of course, of I'm too grown up for that. Of course, and, I feel like we went as like so ninety. Five, is that what you said this yeah. is? Um, so 95. I mean, I had like very small age uh, sisters at the time. So like we went as a family, I'm sure. Next week, Desperado came out. Ah. Which I mean, one of my favorite movies of all time. I had no idea at the time what that was or what I would be getting into when I finally saw it. And Lord of Illusions. That's It's got Scott Bakula in it. Oh, wow. I don't know that at all. It's, uh, I love Scott Bakula. Yeah, I think it's, it might be Scott Bakula's erotic thriller. Uh, well, is it is not? Uh, oh, uh, whatever. Uh, of color night, of night. night. I think that's. But he dies. Spoiler alert: Scott Bakula dies. So it's really <laughs> Bruce Willis's erotic thriller. <laughs> the next week, the prophecy. Okay. The kind of spiritual sequel to the Highlander about angels fighting other angels. It's got Christopher Walken and Eric Stoltz and Elias <laughs> Coteus from, uh, from oh, Teenage Mutant Turtles. Yeah. It's also, I think he was in Crash, which they just, Erotic 90s did a really good episode on David Lynch. So you heard it here first, folks. We're not going to do Boxing Helena. No. David Lynch's daughter, Susan Lynch. We're not going to do it, but go watch, listen to Erotic 90s on You Must Remember This. And they really covered it in as much detail as we would have gotten into. So I'm sure that they would. I, I, I will, I will flat out say it. I don't care if it didn't really happen. I had to watch it on film. Mm. That's my philosophy on movies where like torturing people. And it doesn't matter if it was all part of imagination. They, I had to watch it. I don't want to watch it. <laughs> now it's in my imagination and I don't want it there. But R.I.P. Julian Sands. Mm, yeah. I mean, Art Garfunkel, you're probably never going to make it into our podcast <laughs> now. Kurtwood Smith. We're going to do RoboCop. So, so you're an in. Uh, Nicolette. Scorsese, mm-hmm. like you're probably only going to be a one for like sorry, Malakalakamaka made a big impression <laughs> on a lot of boys my age. Well, but... I feel like that was her heavy lifting role. Let's be fair. <laughs> your Christmas vacation scene stuck with a lot of us, but uh, you're probably not coming back because that was probably your other chance. Probably that's all right. I'm not sad. All right, next week to Wong Fu. Thanks for everything. <laughs> oh man, that was one that should go on our list. If it, it's not it, already. it really should. Yeah, it absolutely needs to. Because I don't. 
I don't remember having, I don't remember what my thoughts were on that. I don't remember thinking like, I was confused by it. I was like, oh, this is an interesting thing for all of these very macho guys to do. But I mean, you lived in Nashville, so that was probably a thing that you had some semblance of exposure to. You know, I lived a couple counties over in the boonies. I would not say and that, that I had like, exposure to... I mean, your parents probably told you it was satanic, but... <laughs> I don't remember them having a stance. Oh, uh, okay, okay. On it. Um, I don't remember it being like... Because I don't feel like... I would say one thing that they didn't do too often was give like stuff unprovoked meaning if we didn't if I wasn't going to ask a question about it they're not going to just like blatantly out of the blue create like say like well that's evil they oh, didn't man. do that too often that's genius because my parents were constantly telling me about things I'd never heard of that I wasn't allowed to watch and that <laughs> messed me up for life I mean I, if I wanted to watch something and they would tell me I, I couldn't watch it and they would give me like a reason or they I feel like they did. I don't feel like they did too much, like, because I said so. But I don't feel like they just, like, blanketly, like, just... I mean, I feel like they do that more now oh. <laughs> than they did when I was a kid. Or maybe I just... I, I don't know. Uh, but I didn't feel like they made me go, well, wait, what? You're talking about what? It's what? I know. I want to know everything about it. Like, I don't feel like they did that too often. I was like a 13-year-old boy. Like, I hadn't even fully figured out girls yet and they were watching the hot spot directed by dennis hopper starring um miami vice don johnson <laughs> they were like well very early i would say very early on they did not watch movies and say you can't watch this with us ah. well no, no they didn't watch it with me they just said we watched it last night and they just said, it's got that girl that you like from the rocketeer in it she's completely naked it's disgusting and <laughs> Like, That's bizarre that they said that. I, I think that that like that is some major unpacking. The fact that they told you that they watched the, 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 my it. My mother told me that. Yes. And, That's weird. <laughs> Sorry. That's weird. Exactly. I've been dealing with that for. I'm still dealing with that today. The only only things that like were like okay, well you can't watch this is because we are actively watching it right now and it is like too scary or like like um, Fright Night. Fright Night was one of those. Like I remember them watching Fright Night in our Miami house. So I was like less than five years old like and kind of you know creeping out it's like nope we're watching this this is like a which seems like that's probably the last adult movie time they ever had was when <laughs> i was five years old after everybody else came no more no more adult movies <laughs> they ceased to watch movies and watch and and so that never happened but yeah like that's it's 30 years ago folks and i still vividly remember that moment and i'm still processing it <laughs> That's weird. Uh, like full on the fact that like your mom would just randomly ring up the fact that like some someone you like in a movie was naked and it was disgusting. Like what? Like why would we we would even bring this up? Like that's so weird. Like, it's just warning me that I should never accidentally. It was like an HBO free preview weekend. Like just be careful. Like the devil's out there. <laughs> and I don't like, know. Like I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. <laughs> That's what it sounds like the response would be. <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do? Like, cartoon Fox? Like, hooga, hooga. Like, really? <laughs> that's, I've, been, I've been scared to watch it for 30 years. That's I the mean. worst trap ever. <laughs> she's watching my response. She's watching my response. She's looking at my pupil dilation. Like, she's, like, watching to see if my heart rate goes up. She's watching my skin. <laughs> She's like a human polygraph. (laughs) 
The next week, we had Angus and Hackers. Oh, ugh. I saw both those movies in the theater. <laughs> both. I mean, Hackers probably lives on... I don't know if Hackers lives on at all, except for just in our hearts. No, somebody said something about it just the other day. Um, oh, they said, like, when they think about a rooftop pool, that's what they think of. Ah. I'm like, that is a hot scene. Oh, yes. The end of Hackers <laughs> in a rooftop pool is super hot. Yes. Like, I was like, same. I mean, would that have been my first experience with Matthew Lillard? Probably. I, I think that might have actually been his real hair in that movie. Probably it was. It wasn't great. <laughs> but I think he cut it all off in SLC Punk. So that would have mm. been just a little longer after that. I mean, that was, yeah. I mean, all of those people. Johnny Lee Miller, Angelina Jolie, him. I mean, the other, the one character, Latino character, I don't know that I've seen in other other movies. But I know the other kid, the other kid, Balthazar Getty. Oh, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you who that is. That's one of those words that like sounds like the '90s to me. But Actually, I don't, I don't I think ever... it is. Now that I say it out loud, but it's it's a very Balthazar Getty adjacent kid um, that I knew I saw in other things, but not many other things. And then it's got Lord Nikon. I have no idea what his real name is. He was in The Crow, and everything. Oh, he, every yeah. scene he's in, he steals. He's great. I, yes. I mean, every shot that he's in in The Crow, he is owning he is creepy and, he is evil and mark like, anthony as an fbi agent <laughs> and, I mean, fisher stevens and his uh his skateboard oh my gosh <laughs> and his trench coat <laughs> Ugh. anyway i love that movie oh and pen uh Pendulette, yes is like the the cyber security guy like, and dennis miller and uh, uh, sandra bullock and sorry like, no wrong movie <laughs> I love that movie. The next week, we have Canadian Bacon, John Candy's, his last released movie. It was filmed before Wagon's East, but it was the last movie he was in that was released. Okay. Have you seen that one? I've not seen it, no. It's about, like, a, there's a scandal in a presidential whatever, so the president decides to kind of do a Cold War with Canada. <laughs> okay, to, like, to... to uh, it's very satirical. It's very, like... To I think, do... It, it, oh, is it... What's that called? Um, Wag the Dog. Wag the Dog, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the same, same idea. Yeah, it, it, it's like Wag the Dog, but much funnier. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's got... When they invade Canada and Winnebago and write, like, Canada sucks and up yours, Canada, and we hate <laughs> moose or whatever on the side of it. And, of course, Dan Aykroyd is the Mountie who pulls them over. He's like, oh, excuse me, it's... Uh, you know that uh, the reason it's I like pulled you story. over. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you're in Canada now. Like all signage has to be in both English and French. <laughs> so like, like le Canada le sucks. Or <laughs> it is a fantastic, fantastic concept. It's got a lot of funny moments. I could not tell you if it's a good movie. I haven't seen it since it was like, you know Comedy Central in the early night or late nineties. Yeah, that that. It seems like a lot of movies. But also that weekend, Seven and Showgirls. Oh, wow. Those seem so... Because I remember people... Okay, you know, so this is, I guess, would have been my freshman year of high school. That seems about right. Mm -hmm. Going to see Angus, going to see Babe, going to see Hackers, um, but people talking about Seven at school. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like... People our age, my age, like 14, 15-year-olds talking about Seven. Seven is a great movie, and it has no business being seen by children. I know. And 14, 15-year-old, no matter what you fucking think, you're children. <laughs> <laughs> you are not ready for Seven at 14 or 15. No. Sorry. No. 
You don't know what the seven deadly sins are. That's that's one of those movies that you should see right when you turn eighteen because like now I can go rent it on my own. Like that that's the perfect movie for that. No, that sounds not to me. <laughs> I want something way more fun than that. <laughs> the next week, Halloween: The Curse of Michael Myers. Oh, a movie that my roommate, uh, ex. Uh, Ex-boyfriend of yours wrote his senior thesis on in film school. <laughs> tracks. The next week, Assassins, Antonio Banderas, and um, Sylvester Stallone. I don't remember that at all. It's that forgettable. It's forgettable, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it. And Strange Days. Do you know Strange Days? I don't know. It doesn't ring an immediate bell. It is the in-between The Abyss and Titanic James Cameron film. Okay, no, not at all. It's got Ray Fines. It's about people that are wearing artificial or uh, virtual reality things to record and then playing them back. It's kind of like a drug. Hmm. Okay. No. It, it it's set on. It the, seems uh, very nineteen ninety five. It's it's set on the the evening of uh, New Year's Eve nineteen ninety nine to two thousand. Oh. There's riots in L A over a police shooting of a black man. It oh wow. Is, okay. Uh, Tom Sizemore is in it. Wow, that is a timestamp of all things. It is a great... Okay, I haven't seen it in 20 years. I remember it being a great movie, but it is a James Cameron movie that made $7 million at the box office in between in between The Abyss and Titanic. So it has uh, Juliette Lewis in it. Do you love Juliette Lewis? She sings in it. Huh, okay. Oh, she, she's a singer. Oh, that's true. I know. She has a band. Yeah. Next week, we have Jade. And the Scarlet Letter, the Demi Moore. Oh yeah, I remember that with a uh, um, Mr. Method acting himself. The Scarlet Letter with Demi Moore. Yes. Wait, what am I thinking? I'm thinking of the Crucible. Ah, uh, with Daniel Day Lewis. Yes, I'm thinking of the Crucible with, with Winona Ryder and no, Daniel Day Lewis. Who is the guy in the Scarlet Letter? Ooh, I don't have my phone right here. Okay, um, so the next week we have Mallrats, Get Shorty, and Now and Then. There's just so many movies. There's so many movies. Now and Then seemed like something I would have seen at the time, but I didn't. Get Shorty, no. I mean, those I were... still haven't seen Get Shorty. Should it go on our list? Maybe. Okay, Get Shorty. That's Elmore Leonard, right? Maybe. I, I, it's one of those things like you could tell me anything. He's a writer who wrote books. I think a lot of them are in Florida. There's like Out of Sight and uh, Justified, Get Shorty. He wrote a bunch of okay stuff that's been adapted. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to pause long enough to look up who was the guy in a scarlet letter. We'll come back next week, and if it's important enough, we'll tell you. So going into print magazines at the time. So we've actually sort of looked at the Playboy magazine that was out at this time. It seems like we would at this point. It's got a huge article about showgirls in it. Yeah, yeah, because we watch showgirls. So exactly, yeah. exactly. We have not talked about the, uh, the Playmate of the Month. She is... Credited as the 500th Playmate, which, good for her. Uh, it is Miss Alicia Richter. She's an actress and a model. Probably most biggest acting role. She was in seven episodes of Baywatch. She is actually not the 500th Playmate because in the 50s, there was a Playmate Ms. Marilyn Waltz and a Playmate Ms. Margaret Scott, and they're the same person. Oh. <laughs> so some astute observer pointed that out later. <laughs> We have a little uh, extra identities. Yes, 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 yes. I yes. love that. That's but hilarious. She is still alive. That's good. Exactly. She's been married for almost 20 years to Mike Piazza. 
I know that name. He was the 93 um, Rookie of the Year in baseball. Baseball. Yes. His first at-bat was a home run. Was he a Brave? I don't know if he was a Brave. I think he was a Padre and most of his career was in the Dodgers. Okay. Uh, He's the highest paid contract as of 1999 of any baseball player ever. He has the highest batting average by a catcher in 1997 of .362. He is the lowest drafted player. He is the 62nd drafted to ever be admitted to the Hall of Fame. Hmm. And uh, in the personal life section about him on Wikipedia, unless you count being a devout Catholic as a garbage thing there is absolutely nothing garbage about him he's a professional <laughs> sports athlete and he is married to a playboy and everything seems like he is just a really good person slow clap for him <laughs> there's also an interview with brett butler in there we watched so much grace under fire i remember nothing about it no i remember it as a thing i remember it existed but that's it <laughs> so that about covers it so i did actually find the issue of Penthouse Magazine that was available at this time. And I honestly, I think the editorial direction is a little bit more interesting than the Playboy of this really? month. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, it has some information. It's the 32nd birthday of uh, Fenty Kim Falk. I don't know if you, you... You would know her picture if you saw it. It's a visceral photo of the Vietnam War yes, of a I know young girl. About. Yes. And she's 32, living in Canada with two children. Interesting story. She was actually kind of used as a Vietnamese propaganda tool long after the war. Uh, She flew to Cuba to attend some school and actually was doing a flight back from Cuba to Vietnam. Cuba and Vietnam, both communist countries, they were allowed to travel back and forth. Mm -hmm. And I stop off in Canada. They kind of like fucked off out of the airport and claimed asylum. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Good on her. And she has she's written a book. And uh, she has published photos of her scars as an adult woman, and they're visceral. And, oh, man. Yeah. Um, there is an advertisement switching gears completely for Battlecade Extreme Fighting. This is 1995, folks. <laughs> UFC Extreme Fighting. Things are just getting started. It has two Gracies on it. If you're familiar with Gracie Jiu-Jitsu or the history of the Gracie name, I actually found this. Like, it is over $100 if you want to buy the DVD on eBay for this thing. No. <laughs> uh, it is only $1.99 if you want the soundtrack. The soundtrack? Yeah. It has a soundtrack? It's an extreme soundtrack. Oh, well, I mean, It's well, 95. Then. Everything's extreme. Yes. Everything's either extreme or Gregorian chants. <laughs> the, all the ring girls are penthouse pets. And I actually was able to find this on YouTube, and it is, like, most of the fighting is bare knuckle, some of the people are wearing shoes, headbutts are still allowed. Oh, man. Brutal. It is. There's some teeth in people's foreheads. <laughs> it is an interesting time capsule. Like, nobody is that good at wrestling, nobody, yeah, if you are at all interested in mixed martial arts, it wasn't even... NHB or No Holds Barred at this time. Like, it was still just figuring out what this sport was. We have recipes for gin martini saying that uh, actual, like, quality spirits are coming back into fashion. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, They suggest that if you're interested in... Really? 95 gin martinis? 95? I mean, obviously, they're like... 
da 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 like like you know like new imports such as absolute you know got it okay okay so there's also so, that. caveat asterisk. yeah <laughs> but it's like like not much is really happening in bourbon right now there's still the same wild turkey and jim beam but there's really no new bourbons <laughs> well you can't just come out with new bourbons right they don't just right. Oh, you know, bourbon sound cool. Let's come up with a new one next week. But later on, they do have an advertisement for a rot gut bottom shelf bourbon W.L. Weller. (laughs) (laughs) So if only only we knew, if only I would be so, I could have gotten way more rich buying bourbon than I could have ever gotten with my Star Wars toys. (laughs) (laughs) There are so many advertisements for radar detectors. Did you ever ride with anybody that had a radar detector? Yeah, I think so. I couldn't tell like you Like your who. dad's friends or like your friends or... I feel like maybe like older guy, older people, like maybe some youth group older people. Okay, okay. Um, Maybe like a parent, like my parents never did. The only time I've ever been in a car with a radar detector is also the only time I've ever been in a car with somebody who discharged a weapon inside their car and accidentally nicked their roof. At the same time? Yes, we were groundhog hunting, and he was trying to get his gun out to shoot a groundhog. Out of the car? Yes. Like, from the the car window? From the movie. I was in the back seat, okay? I was not in... I was... 13 at the time. Yeah, my father put me in some really uh, unsafe circumstances. Wow. Wowie wow. Yeah, I was told that I was going groundhog hunting, which I didn't... I think I kind of like groundhogs. They're adorable. But, but you know, oh, with, somebody, with him and his son, oh. that's about my age, so we would, you know, be just going off into the woods and doing some shooting, and then, like, his son is, like, four and in a car seat and like i'm just riding around in the back just like what is happening great somebody posted the other day of someone i went to high school with they were like what is this and i think it was an albino groundhog oh wow it was so cute i just love everything cute and fuzzy now wasn't you were saying like every cat lover when they see a cat seems like they have heard about cats their whole life but never seen one until this moment right the excitement level is just as excitement every single time you could like see a cat turn your head see another cat and it'd be like groundhog day literally (laughs) (laughs) there's advertisements for nfl quarterback club from acclaim and for nba jam can you even imagine a world where video games for the Super Nintendo are advertised in Penthouse Magazine. Like, that is... That makes perfect sense to me. Really? Because who could afford, like, who was going to buy a Nintendo? Like, I mean, you think about a Nintendo, it's like, okay, well, my parents are going to buy me a Nintendo. a child's toy. No, it wasn't. I don't feel like adults were playing Nintendo. Not adults you knew. Because it was your... Adults you knew were your parents' friends. I guess guess the adults I knew were subscribing to penthouse magazine right like so. you, you weren't friends with your parents weren't friends with like 20 something year old guys that like grew up seeing you know their older brothers who ever play atari and like this is the new system for them and they end porn like could the world get any better <laughs> we have a credit card multi-tool do you know anybody in your life today that carries a multi-tool? I feel like multi-tool guys are kind of a in in high school they were kind of a certain, cl- a I certain have type an, of person. I have an inkling of who might, but who I might don't. Carry. I I have nothing to confirm it. I feel like one of our brothers-in-law yes. might I think have we're a on multi. The same page. Uh, he yes. might have everyday carry EDC. Yes. <laughs> 
if you're listening, we love you. And when my car crashes and I need to break out my windshield, we're set. Like, actually, re- I don't. Actually, he only gave those to you guys. Where Where are ours? Oh, you're screwed. Huh? <laughs> I I need my fast release seatbelt knife and my and my windshield white uh you know breaker. Yeah, that day I end up in a lake, I'm just gonna be like, you know what? I mocked the concept, but. This is actually extraordinarily useful. <laughs> I think it probably is. I mean, I mean we don't all, those... all run around with our windows open looking in empty uh, car uh, car garages for the car we were just tasting in Chinatown to then drive out and hit us into a lake with our car, with our window open. I mean, if society ever really does crumble, all those people with the Jim Baker apocalypse food buckets are going to be... <laughs> like, <laughs> you know? They already ate that shit. Oh, they ate that shit the first week of COVID. <laughs> they did. Of course they did. Now they just have like whatever silver, what's it called? Uh, oh, like the silver solution from <laughs> the pills or whatever. Speaking of pills, there are so many advertisements for stimulants in this ep- in this issue. Like like caffeine pills? Like caffeine, like uh, pseudoephedrine, phenylpropanolamine. You could buy a jar un- like fancy packaged pseudoephedrine in the mail anonymously a thousand pills for twenty two dollars wow if you could just like tell that to people to start stockpiling that before the whole meth thing i mean (laughs) that is wild to think about no i'm glad that meth people aren't that organized like i worked in pharmacy when i would still order a thousand count bottles of pseudoephed for people because they were cheaper to buy it in bulk (laughs) i mean Phenylpropanolamine, it's a stimulant. It really probably only killed about six people. And hundreds of thousands of people took it. It's still legal in Mexico. Like, I, I, I don't know. Maybe we should bring it back. It worked. I don't know. I don't have any. Sorry, am I having pharmacist corner here? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, they were about to take phenylephrine off the market because it actually doesn't work. And <laughs> I don't know. We have the Penthouse Guide to Cybersex advertisement for a book. Talking about uh, how to connect your sex drive to your hard drive. (laughs) ASL. (laughs) We have an article about how if you knew what was really happening in Russia, it makes gangster rap look like innocent childhood prattle. Talking about how terrible things were in Russia and how bad the situation was getting and how things were really going in the wrong direction. And it wasn't as the post-Soviet Russia was maybe not as Western friendly as people were leading us to believe on huh. the uh okay yeah i you know i believe that but probably people were paying that but actually probably trump was reading penthouse and was like hmm i wonder if i can get in on that this is this issue is oddly prescient with being oddly completely off the mark in different places it is <laughs> well of course that that's why things like this happen it's like you you have some really really poignant things to say and then you have this article on tits that is just completely whatever people are like never mind we're not gonna pay attention to the russian stuff i mean we have a quote from lyle menendez obviously i overacted a little bit at that moment Blah. Blah. yeah we have a picture of carrie fisher and debbie reynolds in 1995 Aww. i mean she was probably struggling at that point but it was beautiful to see them both young and alive and we have the expose that kind of took down save the children is in this issue. Oh, wow. Okay. That's, there's some like legit journalism happening here that 
Save the Children was one of the highest rated charities for expenditures going directly to the recipients. That 82.1% of expenditures went directly to children. That's amazing. So what was the takedown? The takedown was, as I said, they were the third highest of relief charities. But that was expenditures and not net donations. Okay. So what that number does not take into account is 100% of government grants go directly to the children. So they're not fully funded by viewer donations. Okay. So 100% of any of all the money they get from government grants for feeding children goes to feeding children, which accounts for about 75% of their expenditures. Okay. So that on average donations, about 35.29 of every year of $192 goes towards any sort of child facing th- and everything else goes to operating costs and advertising. Well, I mean, on its face, you telling me that, that if your whole budget, like looking at the budget as a whole, that doesn't sound bad to me. It doesn't sound that bad, but I, I think it ruins the kind of concept of I'm donating. Maybe, but that's not how that works. And that's not how that works anywhere. You're donating to a big pool and then it all has to go to all of the things that it has to be paid for. I think I'm like, sorry if you don't get all the feels because all like of I'm your sponsoring this child. No, you're not. I think that's the Okay. Like, I mean, the, I I get it, but I think that that's like the government is sponsoring all this children and you're paying Sally Struthers. Like that's and she deserves to get paid. She's going She was working hard for that. I mean, she that's what she that's all she had until Gilmore Girls. I mean, she left the Christian Children Child Fund or whatever after like 13 years because of some shady business practices they were doing to go to save the children. I mean, yeah, she 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 really wanted to do good work. I mean, I I think that that's really semantics. I I don't know. That's a, a that is my response to you saying a handful of sentences, not me reading I, an expose. I think the public what felt betrayed by the message of the advertising. Fine. That you are sponsoring one child and then no you're not you're paying for these advertisements and the celebrities and the ceo and they're going and getting money from the government and feeding children fine that seems that seems a little whatever but <laughs> you could still have, you still had a picture of a kid you could put on your fridge you still get a letter right yeah i'm sure you did i guess if you didn't get a letter then maybe okay i could have a they said you were gonna get a letter if you didn't get a letter then that would be a problem. I mean, is it one of those like auto pet, like if you, if you buy an autograph on eBay? <laughs> <laughs> All right. We have getting intimate on the internet. And basically it's an article about cyber sex and whatever. And it's basically saying like, just get the book and we'll, uh, we'll it'll tell you all about it. Right. So it's like, it's like, like 20, pa- 20 pages before there was an advertisement for this book. And then there's the article. It's like, yeah, like, we're we, not can't, gonna, we can't really tell you anything because the book did it better already. We're not going to give it up. <laughs> By the book. <laughs> we have the pet of the month, Nikki Tyler. Um, she seems to still be alive. Uh, the best I can tell, she's retired and living out of the public view and doing well. Uh, Sweet. She has not been really seen in public or had a Facebook profile or any sort of social media since like 2002. Um, she last was in the press. I think she was having a affair with Jenna Jameson. Oh, interesting. And kind of what broke up Jenna Jameson's marriage. And Jenna has said in her autobiography that she has since married in Canada and sort of off the public whatever and is 
retired and never really developed a big drug habit or never really spent too much money and sort of you don't you don't expect to hear that like someone who is an adult film star who just sort of made some money made invested wisely and just you know, went off into the sunset i would imagine that happens more times than not it's it's the ones that that doesn't happen to that you hear about yeah so uh yeah hope uh, hope everything's well for her great we have another interview with Brett Butler. She another is, what? Yeah, exactly. What? <laughs> Two in one episode? In one month in men's magazines. And she says that men's magazines have more intellectual constituency, more reaching editorial positions than women's magazines of the time. Maybe, but it also seems like pandering. <laughs> <laughs> I think she says that women's magazines are about how to choose the best lipstick and men's magazines are about social issues. Probably so. I feel like Joyce would agree with her in 1995. Probably. Oh, I wonder what Joyce, Joyce in 1995. Oh, I, we need to see a future. Oh, I am into it. <laughs> and then we have an article that is aged like milk from 1995. Great. I mean, most things have. <laughs> HIV equals AIDS and other myths of the age crisis. Mm, okay. So... Myth number one, HIV causes AIDS. Myth number two, HIV is incurable. Obviously, HIV can be cured by alternative medicine. Alternative medicine? Yes. There are 63 reputable instances of people that have been cured by meditating or whatever. 63. From AIDS. 63, that's it? Yes. Uh, HIV is harmful. Myth number three, HIV is actually harmless. Causes mild flu-like symptoms and yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, we can move on. Yeah. Um, that uh, there is AIDS in Africa, but there's no evidence of HIV in Africa. We have the causes of AIDS are most likely drug use, infectious agents, nutritions, and psychosocial factors. All of this is, all of the actuality of this is well known by 1995. Yes, 100%. Well, it's known by about 1994. So this is like COVID denial. This is... This is just right in the time. Well, cool. All right. I don't want to give I don't want to give AIDS deniers any more attention. No, like the AZT is not an effective treatment and is more danger more dangerous than AIDS. Um, I mean, 1995 is one of the seventh deadliest years in American history post World War II. It the AIDS epidemic was at its highest. The only things really higher than that, well. If you take the 20 years of the Vietnam War, was a little bit higher casualties than AIDS in 1995. That's wild. Um, we I have... feel really removed from that because I think, I mean, we, I mean, we were very young still at the time. And that wasn't a world that we didn't live in a world where we knew anyone who was affected by no. that. And it was a world where we I were I mean, there was a kid from, from the real world and, the, yeah. and the Ryan White, the kid from the documentary – and that was about it. But like, but no one personally. No. I mean, we were very sheltered from from all of that conversation. I think until Magic Johnson, I don't feel like that that conversation broke through to the world that we lived in. Yeah, but uh, the three deadlier years in American history were 2019, 2020, and 2021 overdose deaths. Wow. And the only thing above that were 2020 and 2021 and COVID. If you look at post uh, post World War II America. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, bad look, <laughs> guys, bad look. Okay. And uh, just to turn it around a little bit, try to get a little bit more positive, 
the highest rated adult film of the month is A Clockwork Orgy. <laughs> that is the best. <laughs> I challenge well you. Well done. All right. Forbidden Cinema audience, I challenge you to get on any social, any email, and I want you to find a better adult video parody title than A Clockwork Orgy. I'm listening. Come at me. We, if you come up with something even as good, we will quote you. We will put it out there. Absolutely. 100%. All right, babe. You want to hit the socials or any closing? Was, was that too somber of a note to end <laughs> on? Do you want to? Um, well, we're, we're right on this, the brink of spooky season. What's it going to be next week? Um, I got to be completely honest. I know we talked about it. And I know I think we even decided. And I don't remember. Next week. It's a scream, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that was the worst Matthew Lillard impression ever. That was a better one. It sounded that sort of more like Shaggy. But um, yeah, so spooky season kicking it off. We're going to watch Scream. Um, I didn't see this in the theater. Um, I I saw this when my baby sister talked my dad into renting it. I, I would have I would have never thought to ask. <laughs> that's that's it's totally the thing. It's like we're just we're so sheltered and like rule followers. We're such rule followers. It's like oh like I'm, what I'm, I don't even want to have the con- I don't even be part of the conversation. I don't want them to know that I want this. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, have we discussed that already in this episode? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was I sweating over here talking about it? <laughs> that's where that's where our brains still live. I'm still terrified. My mother might hear this, and she's been dead for four years. Oh, man. I so, miss you, Bob. <laughs> same. Yes. Missy Leslie. Um, so, going to watch Scream. Going right into spooky season. Would love to hear your your stories around Scream, your first watches, last watches, you know, best best watches of Scream. Um, I mean, it is one of our youth group friends' slash, favorite movie of all time slash, like, Super famous comedian. Yes, exactly. So you could also, I don't even know if the, it's still available to. Oh, I don't know. Movie Crush? Yeah, I don't I don't know if it, you can listen to Backlog, but Movie Crush with Nate, uh, featuring Nate Bargatze. He talks about Scream with Chuck from uh, Stuff You Should Know fame. Um, so yeah, follow us on Instagram, Forbidden Cinema. Um, send us an email, Forbidden Cinema Podcast at gmail.com. Still checking out um, Minx if you haven't yet. Minx season one, Minx season two um on stars and you can Speaking check which, out we need to look and see uh how, when, when we start getting charged for stars you know what i might actually keep it though it's pretty awesome <laughs> yeah yeah we need to see what else is on there we got, for like, us to watch. four seasons or four series of power i mean maybe we'll check it out yeah, see what's maybe up. So. if you're not watching the golden bachelor oh my gosh mother effort i'm watching the bachelor people like uh, what happened i swore 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 to it a dear friend that I would never watch The Bachelor in this lifetime. And this now is I'm different. Doing it. This is different. It's The Golden Bachelor. It has a different <laughs> name and everything. It's not the same. Anyway, so we are, we will catch you next week. Um, if you haven't watched Minx, check it out. It's so much fun. I hope you enjoy it. Um, and yeah, we'll check you guys later. Welcome to spooky season. Ooh, it's a scream, baby. Ah, I did it terrible again. Bye. <laughs>